0: If you're part of our church, you know that we're reading our way through Mark's gospel this year, and um, we, this is where we are this week in chapter five. And it's one of the longer stories that Mark tells. Mark classically uh, will tell shorter stories or much more sort of immediate stories. So when you kind of get one of these longer ones, you, you, you're alerted almost immediately to ask, this clearly mattered to Mark. And you begin to ask, well, what's going on in the story? Why is Mark wanting people to hear this story? And I think that... um, I think there's a number of reasons why Mark's really concerned about this story. I think it's one of his extreme stories. I think it's one of the stories where he's telling a story about someone who's in the most extreme situation of distress. But it fits into a series of stories that Mark has been telling. So if you remember, he's been really, up till now, he's really been wanting to explore what does the kingdom of God look like? And uh, we look at the parables in the fourth chapter, and then he begins to tell these stories. And the first story is the stilling of the storm. And uh, we looked at that last week in different ways. And in that story, the disciples are amazed because Jesus stills the storm. Now, anybody would be amazed if that happens, but in their own thinking, the stilling of the storm was more than just a meteorological issue. It's more than just weather. What's going on in the storm is this sense of, these are the forces that are completely out of control. That's what the storm meant. These were fishermen. They knew how to deal with storms. They'd had many storms, but this storm... It's kind of like, this is going to kill us. And when Jesus stills the storm, they're amazed. and They're asking, who is this? Who can do this? Who can still the storm? Because it's a force of evil that only God can deal with. And here Jesus does it. And then you've got this story about the demon possessed. And then the next story is going to be the, the, the dead girl and the healing of the sick woman. And they're kind of all framed together in the... In in really extreme situations. So they fit a pattern. That Mark wants to tell you about. And Mark wants to write. To people. Who want to know what did Jesus do. That's kind of like really basic level. But the other level is. Mark is writing to people who are going. Essentially asking the question. Does Jesus still do this sort of stuff? That's why. Mark's writing the gospel. Does Jesus still do this sort of stuff? So he tells you a story that's designed for you to go, wow. It's vivid. It's visual. There's loads of stuff going on. There's kind of, it's a story that once you've read it and you've heard it, you never forget it. Because it's got some strange, strange elements to it. So here we go. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. So kind linked it already with the previous story of the stilling of the storm. And when Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit from the tomb, uh, with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he'd often been chained hand and foot. But he tore the chains apart and he broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he'd cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. And he shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, ye evil spirit. And then Jesus asked him, What's your name? My name is Legion, he replied, For we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, Send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. He gave them permission, and the evil spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd... About 2,000 in number rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. And those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and the countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who'd been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who'd seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. And then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who'd been demon-possessed begged (coughs) to go with him. Jesus didn't let him, but said, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he's had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. The one thing I want to be reminded of and remind you of this morning is really simple. That lives can change and the lives of those that you might not expect can change. I want to show you a film um, that was on the Evangelical Alliance Alliance website um, about a story of a girl um, who's from Manchester. And uh, we'll play this.
1: I was constantly racing, I just wanted to get there, and my mind would go far to like this new dimension of pleasure. You don't know where you are, you don't know what's going on. Like, you just know that you're having a great time and you feel like you're the luckiest person alive. That was my main goal in life get money and spend having fun. I was lucky to have found out a lifestyle like that. You soon find out that the only thing that helps you enjoy to the fullest is the feeling that the drug can give you. The amount of drugs that I was taking wasn't working for me anymore. I would go from sober to paranoid. The life that I love so much suddenly wasn't real. The friendship, the happiness, the high, I didn't know how to find that again. The only solution was to try new things and try and get back into that moment of happiness. So by this day, I got a message from a friend on Facebook and she started talking to me all about this strip club where she was working and she invited me to come along with her because she was making a lot of money. So I calculated everything I could pay for my degree. I could go festivals abroad, buy drugs and everything. So I was like, okay, I'll just give it a try. When I walked into this strip club for the first time, I just looked around. I felt worthless. I couldn't believe where I was, the place where I found myself at. And I met this guy and began to talk. And I kind of told him how I felt about the strip club and everything. And so he offered me a lot of money to just stop doing that. After that, I just found myself dating him. But the fact that he would give me money, he would take me places, and he would promise me like a career and everything, for some reason I was just trapped. My choices would just destroy me. So even though I had the money to sustain the lifestyle that I wanted, I reached the lowest point of my life. Didn't even know who I was anymore why I was doing those things and why I couldn't stop it. During this time, the girl that I was going clubbing with, her mum found out that she was doing drugs and she made us promise that we would go to church with her. I found myself sat in this Bible study listening to this woman. She talked about what it is not to know God. It was like she was describing my whole life and I just felt really upset and ashamed. And then she played a song and asked us to try and sing along to it. And the lyrics of the song were, Jesus Christ changed my life and he's the light that lights my path. But I couldn't sing to the song, I couldn't relate to it, it wasn't true to me. All I could do was cry. They all came around and prayed for me and that's when I I heard God saying, You're mine, I love you. That's when I I felt like his love towards me in a way like I never felt before because no matter what I did, no matter what I've done, he still loved me. He still wanted to be near me. It completely changed the course of my life. It was like finding a treasure There's no party in the world, there's no drugs, there's no money that can pay for the relationship he has to offer. And I have peace now. And it's not like that fake love I used to think I had. It's true, it's real, and it's, yeah, it's life-changing.
0: I was really quite moved when I saw that just an ordinary student, getting sucked into a world. And it was the, the phrase that she heard the voice saying, you're mine, I love you. You're mine, I love you. When Jesus came, he came and said, the kingdom of God is near. What is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is when God says, I'm reclaiming this world for my my own. That's what the kingdom of God is about. Where God is king and he is now reclaiming all that is his. That's what that's, what's, that's what the cross is about. The cross and the resurrection. What did they put on the on the on the on the plate behind Jesus' head? Jesus Christ of Nazareth, King of the Jews. Well, not just the Jews but the king of the whole earth. That God comes and goes, actually, I love you, you're mine. I'm reclaiming all that's lost. I'm reclaiming all that's broken. I'm reclaiming all that's damaged. God coming for his own world. So when he comes to this place, The Gerasenes, Jesus is outside his own area. Jesus gets out of the boat and this man comes running towards him, screaming at him. Why are you here? And have you come to destroy us? Have you come to torment us? The irony of that. And Jesus asks him a question. Who are you? Who are you? And the answer that the man gives is... I'm legion. Now, you and I both probably remember enough about uh, school days to remember what a legion is. A legion is this massive Roman sort of uh, battalion of soldiers. I'm legion. I'm torn apart by so many different, different voices. What's your name? Who are you? Jesus Comes and he releases the man from all these evil spirits that have absolutely torn him apart. There's loads you'd want to ask about this story, isn't there? Where did, how did he get to this situation? What happened to him beforehand? Why and how had he got himself into this situation? But we're not told any of that. The only thing you're told about is that Jesus meets a man who's in hell and releases him. This is kind of like as bad as it gets the guy is in the tombs he's so he's got this strength that nobody can chain him up even though the town have tried to chain him up and keep him safe and in the tombs in the at night he's screaming out at night and he's self-harming and the town go we'll put him away he's not we don't want him to be part of us we don't want him to be a, a belong to us i almost guess that uh, Mothers would have said to children, if you don't behave, the bogeyman on the hill will get you. And in the still of night, what the town would hear would be the screams of man in torment. And Jesus comes to him and goes, who are you? And the guy, from all that's held him, all that's ripped him apart inside, all this evil that has got a grip of him, he's freed. And he's freed in the most amazing way. For reasons that Mark doesn't explain, they, the demons asked Jesus, will you let us go into the pigs? This massive, large herd of pigs, about 2,000 of them. And Jesus says yes and we don't know why he does that except it becomes this very visual action that demonstrates that actually this can be dealt with. And these pigs start a stampede and they go over the side of a a cliff. Everybody who would have been there would have remembered that. Everybody who would have been there would have known that 2,000 pigs keeps a local economy going. Everybody who knows goes, actually, Jesus, what have you done to our town? But in the midst of it, there's one man who's clothed and seated in his right mind. And Jesus almost would go, I did it because of him. What's one man worth? Well, at least 2,000 pigs. One man is worth a village's or a small town's economy. One man is worth more than that. You see, the town had kind of come to a place where they were at ease with the situation. He's over there. We can keep him locked up. We've got our economy. Everything's balanced. Jesus comes and disturbs everything. And you get that wonderful second irony when they see... The man, dressed, seated, dressed, and in his right mind, and they're afraid. It's kind of like, you've lived with this bloke all these years, and you've not been afraid, but now he's, he's fine. You're frightened. Well, yeah, we're frightened, because actually you've disturbed everything that we thought was stable. And they begged Jesus to leave. Because we'd rather have things as they are than actually Jesus meddling What are you worth? You're worth 2,000 pigs. You're worth an economy of a town. At the end of this week, we'll remember visually and we'll tell a story again and we'll reflect on it. That there was a time when Jesus was stripped and beaten and put outside a town. Particularly and specifically, because Jesus was in danger of disrupting everything that everybody thought was safe. At the end of the week, we'll talk about how Jesus was led outside of a city, and the religious authorities and the political authorities came together to say this man's dangerous because actually, this man's disrupting too much. And for the folks who were inside and had a faith in God. And for those who were outside and had no idea about the God and the the story that God was wanting to do. They all said, "We'd we'd rather Jesus be out there than in here disturbing. It's still the temptation. What would it look like if... God did some stuff amongst us that did two things. Firstly, that gave us the confidence so that when we're meeting people who are torn apart by all sorts of evil, all sorts of things that have happened in their lives, all sorts of things, we're not afraid. Number one, we're not afraid. Because it's easy to be afraid, isn't it? It's easy to be afraid of the stranger and the uncertainty. I said on Thursday night, when I was reflecting on this passage, I got on the, it's only a small thing. Got on the train on Monday morning, quarter to seven, which feels very early. Quarter to seven, I'm on the train, and um, as I'm getting into my seat, there's a bloke behind me who just starts talking to me about taxation policy. Now, you know, I have opinions, but not at quarter to seven in the morning. But it quickly becomes apparent this guy will talk about all sorts of things because... He's not what we would call stable. Do you know what the first reaction is? I think I'll move. (laughs) Because this is a two hour trip journey to London. And it's easy, isn't it, to protect ourselves, to put the buffers around us, to say I don't want to be close to the people who are tormented, to the people who are unsafe. To the people who threaten us. What's a man's worth? And then the end of the story. The man says to Jesus, what can I do? He begs Jesus. He begs Jesus to leave. In fact, the three three sort of characters who beg Jesus to do something, the demons who beg Jesus to let him go into the pigs, Jesus says yes. The town who beg Jesus to leave, Jesus leaves. And the man who begs Jesus, can I come with you? He goes, no. No, you can't. I want you to stay. I stay I want you to stay in your town. And I want you to tell people how God's had mercy on you. It would have been the easiest thing in the world. It would have been much better for the man to leave. Let me start again, Jesus. Let me start again with you. No, 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 you've got to stay. Yeah, but they know me. Yeah, that's why you've got to stay. Yeah, but they've been frightened of me. Yeah, that's why you've got to stay. They put me out. That's why you've got to stay. And the man stays in that area called the Decapolis or the Ten Cities and in a few chapters, we'll read Jesus going into that area again, and 4,000 men will turn up to listen to Jesus preach. It's a great thought. Maybe, just maybe, because one man stayed and said, can I tell you my story? Can I tell you what's happened? Can I intrigue you enough that you might know this Jesus who comes? So why does Mark tell this story? Well, as I said at the beginning, I think he does it for a number of reasons. I think he tells it to a church. And I think he tells it to a church that was under pressure in Rome. And I think he wants them to know that no matter how damaged or how extreme or how distant situations look, actually Jesus and the kingdom of God can reach there. And I think it's interesting that when he's writing a story to a church in Rome, he'll have the inclusion of the detail of this man's tormented by legion. Which is perhaps not, it's perhaps intentional. We know we're under pressure by the evil forces around us. But actually, there's one whose kingdom is greater than all we have around us. That's the first thing. I think the second thing, the the reason, the way the story works is because it challenges me and you. I think it challenges us to believe, can God still do this sort of stuff? Well, Marianne would say, yeah. I was a stripper being paid for by one man who kind of bought me, but I found freedom I think Marianne would say, it still works. I think there's something about this idea in church that often those of us who've been in church the longest, we lose confidence because we think he only works in people like us. (laughs) But actually, he doesn't. He works in so many more wider contexts. And I think as we're praying as a church together and as we carry on growing and developing, Actually, the prayer is always, God, don't just bring us people like us. Give us the confidence. Give us the hope for people who are so far away from us. It's kind of like interesting because when we pray, you know, when we sing, make us like Jesus, those sort of songs, then this is the Jesus who's not afraid, not intimidated, not put off. The Jesus willing to get involved so it's really simple this morning and as I'm reading through this story there's loads of things that just appeal to me about the story and there's loads of ways that story works but actually at the heart of it for myself as I was thinking about it again this week it's Lord I wonder whether sometimes I just want to make it safe too safe And I wonder what we would look like if increasingly we weren't. Jesus came with the kingdom of God. And you go out this week into families, neighbours, and workplaces. And some of you go, I can't imagine this situation ever changing. And you read the gospel and you're reminded it can. It can change.